What are the signs of life? Have you ever thought about that? If you've been in medical school, perhaps you have. In the medical field, they are called vital signs. Vital signs. And there are four main vital signs routinely monitored by medical professionals and healthcare providers. They are, and not in any particular order, body temperature, pulse rate, respiration rate, which is the breathing rate, right? And blood pressure. Although some don't include that in the vital signs, it was in the list that I found. Amen? <laughs> is, there, is there some temperature to the body? Like if someone comes in, is there some temperature there? Is, is, is there some heat? Is, is there a pulse? Is, is there breathing? And what is the rate of the breathing? What is the, what are the, what is the rate of the breaths? These are the signs that, that, that are looked for for life, for a healthy body. And there are signs of a healthy body, a healthy living body, and there are signs of a sick or dying body. And in a medical situation, medical staff want to know what are the vital signs. Are they good? What's going on? And it's same for the spiritual life. It's same for the spiritual life. Just as for the physical life, there are vital signs. For the spiritual life, I believe there are vital signs and signs that we truly have been brought into the family of God, that we truly have been brought to life in the spirit of God in Jesus Christ and that we are truly a part of his covenant. Last week, we talked about a couple of those signs. Tonight, we'll talk about a couple more. Last week, we noticed that the signs of the covenant, the signs of life in Jesus are that we have a new walk, that we've been given a new walk, that we're to walk with the Lord, that we're to walk before him. He's put us in a race and he set the race before us and we're to walk that walk with the Lord. And then we also saw that we also have a new name, that the Lord gives us a new name and, and there's the name that we have in this world and there are the names that others might refer to us as, and even the enemy of our soul might refer to us with particular names. But the Lord has given us a new name. Why? Because we've been brought in to a new family. We've been brought into the family of God. Tonight, as we continue through Genesis 17, we'll see also two more things. Number three, I guess, in the list, if you count last week, we have a new existence and we have new product of life a new existence, and new product of life. And so let's take a look at the rest of this chapter. And as we do, let the Holy Spirit check your vital signs, okay? So just pretend tonight you're laying on the spiritual gurney. <laughs> you know, you're in triage, right? No one wants to be in triage. Okay, so maybe that was a bad analogy. All right, you're, you're just being checked. It's a routine checkup. We're checking for the vital signs tonight. The first one that we're going to look at tonight is a new existence. Let's read in Genesis 17. Let's pick it back up at verse 9. It says, it says this, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. 
and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He who was born in your house or bought with money for, for, from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So we have a new existence. We have a new existence. God gave Abraham a very specific sign that they that it's a sign that would signify that they were in covenant with the Lord. And so this is what God said to them. This will be the sign of the covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child shall be circumcised. And so circumcision. Circumcision is something that comes up and here it is. This is the this is the beginning. This is the foundation of this principle being laid in the scripture. What is, without getting too graphic, and every time I talk about circumcision, I always say that, right? Without getting too graphic. Um, but you, you, you're familiar with the, with the process, with the procedure. Circumcision is a cutting away of the flesh. It's a cutting away of the, the foreskin there, and it's a cutting away of the flesh. And therefore, it's an outward sign. It's a physical sign, but it's a physical outward sign of an inward thing that is happening, that you have been brought into covenant with God, that you're a part of the covenant, that you're part of the family. And so circumcision was an outward sign, but it would speak of an inward reality. There are a couple times that we see even grown men being circumcised in the scriptures, and tonight in this chapter is one of those because it gave the, the prescription for the newborn that would come on the eighth day to be circumcised, but there are also those that would come into covenant and they would be older men or maybe teenage men or whatever, however, however old they were, and then they would be circumcised too. If you're young or old, it's a thing. I mean, I guess that's why they do it when you're young, because you don't really remember it. And, but when you're old, I'm sure you do. And um, it's, there's definitely, definitely, definitely an issue of sensitivity with that particular thing. And I think that it speaks to the sensitivity of the spirit that God wants us to have. Again, it's an outward sign of a spiritual reality. And so if God is doing something like that and he's cutting away the flesh, he's wanting to cut away the flesh so that there is a sensitivity of spirit, a sensitivity, a life in the spirit, a sensitivity in the spirit to the things of the Lord, to the word of God, to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so there is going to be, if you have been circumcised of heart, see here in the new covenant, we're not... To, when it's not prescribed that we be circumcised in the flesh, uh, but there is a circumcision of the heart. And actually, we talked about this on Wednesday night. If you were here for the Bible study, there we were in Philippians chapter 3, and, the, and there Paul encouraged the Philippian believers to beware of those who would take them back under the old covenant. And he, he said, beware of the mutilators, beware of the dogs. He says, look, they want to take you back to the old covenant, but the new covenant is this, and it's become fully 
uh, pressed upon our hearts that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and he died and rose again and we have a new covenant, amen? We have a new covenant of his blood. And it's no longer a circumcision of the flesh that needs to take place. It's a true circumcision of the heart. And what does that mean? It means the, 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 the old fleshly you has been cut away. And, 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 a, and a new you, a new existence of you, a, a new birth is really what it's referred to in, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. Paul, uh, Jesus had the, the famous nighttime conversation with Nicodemus. And, and he said, you know, you, you must be born again. You must be born again. And I love to point this out, that, you know, someone, somebody, some theologian somewhere, some pastor, some Baptist, really uptight guy didn't come, come up with the idea of being born again. I know there's a lot of people, well, I don't know, I don't know about those born againers. Jesus said you must be born again or you will never see the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean? It means born by the will of the Father, coming to a place where your spirit has been brought to life by the Holy Spirit of God and not brought into life by, the, by the, the will of a man and a woman who have come together. That's how you came into the world the first time. How you come into the kingdom is because you have surrendered your life to God and God has brought you from death to life. And so he's brought you from death to life and then there's this circumcision of the heart. And Paul, in that passage in Philippians 3, he says, we are the circumcised. Remember that? He says, beware of these guys who want to take you back to the old covenant. We are the circumcised because we've been circumcised. It's been a circumcision of the heart. So in that, in that sense, circumcision speaks of the reality of a new existence, the existence of the spirit man. The spirit man, that's you, that's been put in this flesh. This tent is temporary. And there's a person that is you, the spirit you, that has been brought to life in Christ. Amen? And so it speaks of a new existence, the existence of a spirit man. It speaks of, it, of the existence of the reality that you have been born again, that you have been born from above. Christian, you have a new existence in Christ Jesus. It's a whole new you. And the Apostle Paul would put it this way to the church at Corinth. You'll see it. This is a famous verse. Every Christian should know this verse. You should be able to recite it as soon as I put it up there, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so you're, you have a new existence. The old has passed away. The flesh has been cut away. There's a new you. The question tonight is, is there a new you? Has the, spirit, has, the, has the spirit given life to your spirit? Is the flesh cut away? Do you have a sensitivity to the things of the spirit? Do you have a sensitivity to the word? Do you have a sensitivity to God as he comes alongside you, as he walks along the path with you, as Christian was pointing out for us in the welcome, that, 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 that there's a sensitivity there. And so the question is, you, you know, you, this, is, this, is a, this is a vital science checkup. Do you, do you have those vital signs? Is there a sensitivity to what uh, the Lord is doing and wants to do? You know, that there's, um, we had gone, Mary Jo and I had gone on a trip and we rented this car and I know there's someone here that had a vehicle that had this feature on it, but this is a new feature that you'll see on some cars. It's the, it's the feature where 
if, uh, if, if, you, if you go too far to the left out of the lane or too far to the right, the, the seat will vibrate and go, no, let you, let you know, get back, get back on the, you know, you're, you're going off the path. Is there a sensitivity like that? I think we have that feature. The Christian life has that feature, amen? It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, we've had this for a long time. You know, Cadillac may have it. These other places, people may have it. We've had it in the Spirit for a long time. It's the Holy Spirit who nudges us, who comes alongside and says, hey, get back in the lane. Get back in the lane over here, you know. Some of you are over here on the rumble strips. <laughs> wake up, wake up. You're falling asleep on 95, and it's dangerous out there. And, 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 and the Lord wants to bring it. And, and so the question is, do you, do you have that sensitivity to the Spirit? Do you have it? You've got to ask yourself that question. Now, there's an idea. You have a new existence. Now, there's an idea of the word new in the New Testament. <laughs> there's an idea of the word new in the New Testament that is a, has a little bit of a different nuance to it than just new in terms of chronology. When we say, when I say new, most, most of us immediately go to, you know, probably the A entry of the definition, right? The, new, the newest. Like, do you have the newest iPhone? Or do you have the newest Samsung Galaxy? Or the newest laptop? And so it's the latest one in chronology. But there's an idea in Scripture, and specifically in the New Testament, we see it a lot, where new is something that relates to prominence. It's, it's, it, it can be chronology, but it's also prominence. And we see this when Jesus said to the disciples, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. This wasn't a new commandment, right? I mean, certainly you can find that commandment in the Old Testament, love one another, right? But it's, it's brought out by Jesus, hey, I want this to be prominent. And I think not only do you have a new life, chronologically because your spirit person has been brought to life in Christ, but you also have a new life in sense of prominence. And the question is, are you putting the priority to the prominence of your spiritual life in the reality that you've been given a new existence? Is that something that is on the forefront of your mind as you go about your life? And, 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 and the Lord wants that for you because he is, is again, he's walk, you're walking before him. You're walking along that path with him and he wants to walk that day by day. So Christian, you have a new life, a new existence. Now, now you are to live it for Jesus with a newness of prominence, amen? A newness of prominence. Live it well, live it prominently. Wow, right? Live the new life that you be. Live it prominently. Live for Jesus. Now, the instructions that we read here in, in Genesis 17, the instructions for circumcision, here say that a male child would be brought for circumcision on the eighth day after his birth. And so a baby boy would be born, and then on the eighth day after his birth, he would be brought uh, for circumcision. And this signifies, it, 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 it signifies that not only is it a picture of a new existence, not only in spiritual birth and 
and the cutting away of the flesh and bringing about a spirit life, not only is it a picture of new existence, but it's also a picture of a new beginning. It signifies the reality that God has given you a new beginning. Amen? God is, the God, God is a God of new beginnings. The eighth day, the eighth day is a day of new beginnings. When you look at the creation week, God created for six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. And then after the seventh day, in a normal week, in 24-hour days, right, then you would have the eighth day. Well, what's the eighth day? Well, the eighth day is a new week, right? It's, 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 it's the whole thing's going to start all over again, right? We're going to have a new week. And so it's, it's the eighth day is that picture. It's a new beginning. And again, God is a God of new beginnings. Amen? Amen. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of start overs. <laughs> Do overs. People have gone out and, and the enemy has ravaged their lives wreaked havoc in their lives, and, what, and, 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 and they come to Christ and someone brings the gospel to bear upon their hearts. And what happens? They respond to the gospel. They respond to the grace and the love of Jesus and, and, and they get a new beginning. They get a brand new start. They get to start over. It's a brand new week. Hey, guess what? Last week was last week. This is, this is the eighth day. So the eighth day, not only does it picture for us the inner reality of the spirit man and the flesh being cut away, but it, it signifies that new beginning. It's a new beginning. God will give you a new beginning. Mary Jo and I, when we made the decision to, to just follow the leading that we felt the Lord putting upon our hearts to leave Orlando, where we were for 17 years, and move over to Brevard, uh, we were really, it was kind of, we were in, a, in a, a way of looking at it, we were looking at it like a new beginning, right? I think you do that when you move. If you move, it's gonna be a new, it's gonna be a new start. You know, everything's gonna be new. It's a new area. It's a new road, new roads you're gonna be driving on, new, 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 new stop signs you're gonna be stopping at, new restaurants that you're gonna be eating at, stores you're gonna be shopping at. It's a new beginning. And I remember when we came over, and you know, to look for a house to purchase. And we came over to this particular neighborhood and we fell in love with this particular model home. And then, you know, if you're gonna build a house, right, you gotta pick out your, your lot and then, you know, they build the house on the lot. Well, we, we fell in love not only with this model, but we fell in love with this lot. And wouldn't you know it, it was lot eight. <laughs> it was lot eight, right, because and, and we really, and there Mary Jo and I, hand in hand, prayed as we faced the lake. It was a lot front, a lakefront lot. Actually, it's a retention pond. <laughs> but, but we're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, continue to hold out hope that it, you know, sometimes it does look like a lake. <laughs> Depending upon the, well, anyways. Actually, it's a lot like a lake now with all this water we've been having. It's a, it's a rising lake. But there we stood, hand in hand, praying and just consecrating that to the Lord that it would be a new beginning. And you know what? God is a God of new beginnings. He's going to give you, he, he'll give you a new beginning. 
You may be sitting here because, hey, we need a new beginning. Some, some, some of you might feel like you're at the end of the whole old thing. And you're like, man, I'm ready for a new thing. I'm ready for a new beginning. Well, guess what? God's a God of new beginnings. God's in the business of new beginnings. Look at the whole Bible. The whole Bible is story after story after story of men and women that he stepped into their lives, he stepped across their paths, and he gave them a new beginning. He gave them a fresh start. He gave them a brand new day. He gave them an eighth day. Amen? And that's what he'll do for you. He can give one to you. In fact, you can begin tonight. If you need a fresh start, if you need a new beginning, you can begin tonight. You can have an eighth day tonight. Just reach out to God right now. Now look around the world tonight. You look around the world and you say, man, this world needs an eighth day. Don't we? We need a new beginning in the world. And you know what? That's actually what's coming. If you read the Bible, the Bible is about that we're coming to a time where there will be an eighth day. Now I don't want to get too down deep into this because we've talked a lot about this in our early studies. But I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, we talked about the week of creation, right? And we talked about the, we talked about the different possibilities of what those days could be. Uh, because in, the, in, in uh, you know, Old Testament Hebrew, there, there are different, the, the word day can actually mean different things. It can actually mean a 24-hour day, and it does oftentimes. It also can mean a part of a day. It can mean an, an, a, a period, a, a larger period of time. And it is used in, those, in all of those ways throughout the Old Testament. And so we talked about the, 24 hour, the idea of a 24-hour uh, week of creation. But we also talked about another theory that's called the age-day theory. And, uh, and one of the things that is interesting with the age-day theory, the, the, the age-day theory, just to give you a little backup, a little, little refresher, is the, is the idea that the days of creation weren't necessarily 24-hour days, but they were, they were periods of time uh, that God began to do those specific things in that day. And, and in, this, in this interpretation of Scripture, and there are guys who have put together really great um, presentations of this particular interpretation. Um, you have the, the, the first day, and then you have the second day, and the third day, and, and God did everything that he did on those days. He did it, it, in that period of time. And then you come to the seventh day. And so the, seven, the week of creation becomes a, becomes a pattern of a normal seven-day week. And so that when you come to the, to the, the commandment, you know, in, in six days, God made the, the earth... And on the seventh day, he rested. And so keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And there it is in the commandment, right? Verse one, it says this. This is what John saw. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And then skipping down to verse five, it says this. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. And Paul actually alludes to this in, the, in, the, in Romans, right? That the creation is literally groaning and crying out for its redemption and, and the, the, the creation, this new creation it's going to be. And so this is a powerful point. So we were created for the seventh day, but because of man's sin in the seventh day, God came in 
to the seventh day and brought about an unbelievable redemptive plan. And now he's in the business of making all things new. And one day he'll even do that with the earth. Amen? And so it's an incredible, incredible thing. When you come to Christ, he gives you a new existence. You're now a spiritual person with new spiritual sensitivities. And God is bringing us forward to a time where he will make the world new as well. And we're looking forward to that day. And as we look out at the world today, we see all the things that are happening. Pray. One of the prayers that ends the book, if you go to the next chapter, what does it say? It says, Maranatha, right? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. He's the one that's going to bring this new new beginning. And then in this passage, it says that anybody who, a part of the people that was not circumcised in the, in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And so there's, there is this language here for identifying someone who's not a part of the covenant who's not a part of the covenant. What, you don't have the signs of being in the covenant. There aren't the signs that you've been circumcised. And for us, on this side of the new covenant, you would, you would look and say, are there the signs that a person has genuinely been regenerated? Has there truly been a circumcision of the heart? Has there been a new birth? Is there a new existence in this person? Is there a sensitivity to the word, to the Lord, to the things of the spirit? And so the question is, do you have those sensitivities? And you can, you can, by simply surrendering your life to Jesus right now and turn from your sin and make Jesus your Lord. Now, moving on, so we have a new existence. Second, tonight we have new product of life. Let's pick it up in verse, well, let's pick it up verse 15 where we left off. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. And then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations and kings of peoples shall be from her. Verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live for you. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. And then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with money, uh, bought with his money, and every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins at that very same day, as God had said to him. And Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abram was circumcised and his son Ishmael. And the men of his house, born in, in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised 
with him. So we have a new existence, and we also have new product of life. The Lord came to, the Lord talking with Abraham here, he says, your, your wife's name is Sarai. See, this is all one continuous chapter, right? So he already changed Abraham's, Abram's name to Abraham. He went from high father to father of a multitude, right? Remember we talked about that last week. Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. Sarah. So she goes from contentious to princess. And God tells Abram, Abraham, I will, I got to get used to saying Abraham now, right? I've been trying to, you know, coax myself into saying Abram, you know, because that's where we've been. And now we're Abraham, right? So Abraham, God tells Abraham, I will bless Sarah. I will bless Sarah and she will be the mother of nations. Abraham, kings will come from her. Kings of peoples will come from her. And what is Abraham do? He laughs. He laughs. Now, the first thing I want to point out there to you is that God will bring life to what was formerly dead. Right? See, Sarai's womb was, was barren. She was, she's 90 years old. She's 89 years old. She's going to be 90 when she gives birth. But up until that point, there, there wasn't there was, there was any, any fruitfulness. But now the Lord is changing her name too. She's becoming a part of the covenant. Okay? And so God is working his work in her, and he's going to bring fruitfulness into her life. And that's what we see. God brings forth a new product of life from you. You were once dead in your sins, Paul says to the Ephesians, but you are alive because of Christ. And because you're made alive, now there's going to be a new product of life in you because God's going to bring that forth. Where there wasn't anything, where there was no work of the Spirit, where there was no movement of the Holy Spirit, now there's going to be that move of the Spirit in you. And because there's a work and movement of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a new product of life in you and fruitfulness is going to come. And so God tells Abraham this, that this is what's going to happen. And what does he do? He laughs. He laughs. Is she going to have a baby at 90? And is that going to happen by me? And I'm 100 years old? And he laughed. It seemed so ludicrous to him. It seemed so laughable to him that he said, Oh, Ovid, you're not going to do. What, what are you doing, Lord? We're old now. You came to us all these years ago. You told us you were going to do that. We're old. I mean, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. In, in other words, what he was saying is, oh, that you, might, that you might fulfill your promise and accomplish your covenant through Ishmael. That's what he said to him. Oh, we're old. Are you going to really do this thing now? And he laughs. Abram laughs. But you know what God... God laughs. Abraham may have laughed. Do you know what? God laughs. I mean, number one, I know that God laughs. I know God has a sense of humor for a variety of reasons that I won't get into right now. But yes, I do know that God has a sense of humor. Various ways that the body functions and things that, you know, just let me know that, that, that God is, you know, we're going to have a big laugh with the Lord one day. But in other ways, in other ways, the Lord laughs. The Lord laughs when men rely on the wisdom of men. 
and not on the word of God. He also laughs, because that's what Abraham was doing right here. He says, oh, you're not going to do it now. Let Ishmael live before you. He also laughs when men conspire together in rebellion against him. He laughs. Oh, yeah? Well, we read it right there in Psalm chapter 2. Those that have conspired, those that have gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed, he who sits in the heavens laughs. You are going to come and make war against me? The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator? Now that's a laughable situation, right? But serious. So the Lord laughs. And Abraham laughed. And you know what he says? He says, you are going to have a son. Sarah is going to have a son. And you know what I'm going to do? You're going to name him Isaac. Which actually comes from a root word to laugh. So you, I'm going to remind you every time you call your boy. That I'm, that I'm God, that I'm Yahweh God, and I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I'm going to fulfill my promise. And so he tells him, name him Isaac. Now, God, so God is going to bring forth fruit from Abraham and Sarah, and that's what God is doing. That's what God does in your life, Christian. He, he brings forth fruit in your life. He's working in you. He's placed his spirit in your heart, and he wants to bring forth the fruit of the spirit in your life. When you come into the kingdom, when you come alive in Jesus, when you're in covenant with God and begin to act in response to the gospel, you will be fruitful. You will be fruitful. And that's why in the New Testament, one of the things that we're, we're, you, he says, you, you will know them by your, their fruit, right? He didn't say you'll know them, you know, you'll figure it out by osmosis. He says, no, you'll know the true believers by their fruit, because if the Holy Spirit is truly working in your heart, then there's going to be the whole. There's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. If you've been brought alive by the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit has been placed in your heart by the Father, to, on deposit, right as a guarantee. If that is all true, then it's a natural outflow that you're going to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if no one can find any fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, it only begs the question, what's going on here? Where's the fruitfulness? Because God is in the, the business of bringing dead things to life and then making them fruitful. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love. Do you have love? Is there, a, is there an, a, just this abundance of love just pouring out of your life? Love, joy, peace, self-control, patience, gentleness, kindness. Are these the things that mark your life? Are these the things that mark your speech? Are, the, are these the things that mark your actions? Or if the Holy Spirit were to turn on the magnifying glass or the microscope, would he find his work in you? You see, God... The Lord Jesus is in the business of bringing fruit out of the lives of his followers. Amen? Amen? In fact, Jesus told the disciples, he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And so if there's no fruit, 
then you almost have to ask the question, well, am I, am I, if I'm a branch and I've got no fruit, what's wrong? There's some severance. There's some, there's, you know, am I still connected to the vine? Or is, is it, there's something that's been cut off. Some supply has been cut off because there's no fruit. And, 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 and the Lord Jesus, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he wants to make you fruitful. In fact, he does a couple things in our lives to, make a, to, to bring about the fruit and to make us more fruitful. He, he prunes and he lifts up the branches to make them even more fruitful. So you may come along and I'm not a botanist or a you know, a horticulturalist or what, you know, anything like that. But I, I guess I know a little bit, but I think there's a, an idea there in the scripture where the, uh, you know, the, the vine, the branch might kind of grow in such a way that it's, you know, kind of low. And what the gardeners would do is they would come in and they would lift the branches and they would lift them in such a way to cause them to be more fruitful. I think you can see this in the vineyards where they put them up on the stakes and then you can look at the rows. If they just left them on the ground, they wouldn't be as fruitful. But then the, 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 the vineyard, the vin, I don't know what a person who runs a vineyard comes in and sets up those things and lifts the branches into place so they can become more fruitful. And that's, that's exactly what the Lord does. I mean, he's the vine and he's the gardener. Amen? I mean, he's multitasking here. And the question is, do we have fruit? Do we have fruit in our lives? That's the question. We've got to take a look. We need to check. You need to check your connection to the vine. Are you connected? Are you plugged in? Are you, you know? Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago, I think. You know, you know people who get a new electronic piece of gear and it doesn't work so they call the company to find out hey this thing don't work we just opened it up it don't work did you plug it in <laughs> that's the first question that they they, they ask uh the people that call on those troubleshooting lines did you plug it in i've seen so many people down through the years that should be so so much more fruitful they should, they, they, people that I, rec- that I know and, and I look and I say, oh, man, I mean, I wish, you know, you, you have these people in your life, I, I wish, help me help you. That if you would just open up your eyes and open up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to do such an incredible thing in your life. And I see people and they, they hang on. There's a refusal to serve the Lord. There's a refusal to embrace the Lord. There's, the, the, there's, there's, there's you know, the, 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 the hold on to the darkness. John talks about this in the gospel. He says, you know, men love their darkness. The light came into the world, but men love the darkness. And God wants you to be, come into the light. He wants you to come into life. He wants you to come into fruitfulness. Now, I think there's another analogy here, and I'll, and I'll close with this. Where are we on time? There's another analogy here that not only is there a spiritual fruit that God wants to bring into the lives of each and every one of us, and you can read about that in Galatians 5.22, where Paul talked, he contrasts two things. He contrasts the works of the flesh. Here's the works of the flesh that needs to be, the flesh needs to be cut away, right? So if your life looks like 5.21, if, you're, if, if, if your life looks like Galatians 5.21, you need to have a circumcision of the flesh, 
so that your life can look a little bit more like Galatians 5.22. Because see, that's the comparison, that's the contrast, contrasting verses there. The works of the flesh, and, but it's not the works of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's, it's this natural byproduct of actually being alive in the Spirit, amen? And uh, Pastor Chuck was famous on these two verses. He used to, con- he used to in his books, he used to talk, in his sermons, he used to talk about the, the works of the flesh is like a factory over here. We're working, we're working, smokestacks and smoke going on. And then, you know, just the believers over here, and we're just like a, you know, a nice fruiting tree, <laughs> right? Whatever, whatever kind of fruit tree you want to be, you know, an apple tree, an orange tree, uh, you know, whatever fruit you like. Mangoes, maybe? I don't know. But something. But where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Now, not only does God want to bring about that spiritual fruit in your life, but I think he wants to bring about a fruitfulness across the board in your life. You say, what? Yeah, I do. I think he wants to bring a fruitfulness across the board. Because one thing I know about the scriptures, that if you hear the word and you put the principles of the word into practice in your life, I don't, I don't see how you could not become fruitful. Mm-hmm. You cannot not become fruitful. That's a double negative. I repent, English teachers. The English teachers in the... In the if, if, you know, my sister's here, she's a, she's a teacher, but if my little sister was here, she would rebuke. <laughs> because she's an English teacher. You can't not be fruitful in your life. What's not fruitful in your life? Begin to add the principles of the word into your life. Obey the Lord with, with, with your finances. Obey the Lord with your relationships. Obey the Lord with how you treat one another, how you treat people. Obey the Lord with, with what he says about how you're to conduct your work. Mm-hmm. Obey the Lord and what he lays out in his word about managing your time and, being sloth, and, and, and not being slothful. Look at people in the slothful and this and that and whatever, and we need a handout. No, you need the word of God to come to bear upon your life. You need the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. To come to bear on your heart, and I believe. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people that, that, that are beyond, like, you know, there's people that need help. People that need a helping hand. But I think we would be amazed if the people who knew better began to apply the principles of the Word of God, the principles that they hear every week as they sit in church all weekend and every weekend, and, and the principles are going out and whatever, and we're just... You know, and that was great and whatever. Take some nugget from a message. When the Lord speaks to you, here's what's happened. I'm going to close. I'm done. Here's what happens. Right now, the Lord has already spoken. I believe the word, the word of wisdom and word of, words of knowledge have already gone forth to every single heart. The man of the daily bread has gone out. And it's your responsibility right now to hear that and to say, I'm going to begin to put that into practice. I'm going to see where that's going to work out in my life. And Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to dialogue with you on that. And Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, hold me accountable, Lord, to, to, to this, to see what God wants to do in your life. 
and, and, and just see. Just look and see what God's going to do. And it's going to be an amazing thing. Here's the thing. Here's how the, here's how the chapter ends. How does the chapter end? This thing's squeaky. The chapter ends by saying that Abraham was circumcised with Ishmael and every man in the house. When? On the day that the Lord said it. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Everything else is more important than what God said tonight. And then people want to run out and wonder, what in the world's wrong with their situation? And God has so lovingly brought people alongside. And he's brought a pastor with a, with a, with a passion. To, God wants so much for your life. But if, God, if you'll hear him tonight, if you'll hear the Holy Spirit speak directly to your heart tonight, and when God said it to Abraham, that day they were circumcised. He didn't put it off to tomorrow. That day they were circumcised. And what that spoke to me as I prepared for this message is that God says, hey, you know, put your life into gear, Christian. I think too often you look at our culture and look at what we're good at doing today. Today, I'm going to, you know, Get that new outfit. Today, I'm going to get that and that and that and that and that. And it's all, I'm not saying it, don't get it. I'm saying don't do that, all that other stuff today to the neglect of what God wants you to do today. And I, 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 I just, I just want to challenge you. The Lord wants to bring so much fruitfulness into our lives. And if we'll hear and become a doer of the word, as James says, we'll be amazed at the life and the spiritual vitality in the spirit that God begins to work in every, every single one of our hearts and in, in, in the life of our fellowship.